Welcome to episode 20 of the Golf Betting System podcast. We're discussing the WGC Dell Technologies match play and the Corrales Punta Cana Resort and Club Championship on the PGA Tour. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. I'm Steve Bamford, PGA Tour Previewer at Golf Betting System. And with me, we have true podcast royalty. Yes, WGC and European Tour expert Paul Williams and resident podcast pundit Barry O'Hanrahan from A Good Talk Spoiled Podcast. How are you this evening, gentlemen? I'm very well, Steve. How are you, Barry? I'm good, thanks. Yeah, Um, kind of... A good kind of hangover from watching the golf last night. It was a uh, it was a pretty special Sunday. Yeah, well done with uh, with Ryan Moore. You picked up uh, pre-event, so that was a nice little uh, each way return. They're full place for him as well. I take it with the extra places that you uh, picked up on him. It was yeah, best price and best amount of places on Skybet. So uh, they seem to be putting out some juicy prices for the mid mid odds guys and out uh, these days. So. Um, he put me through the ringer yesterday, but uh, he uh, he got there in the end, which was nice. Yeah, very nice. Was it, was it 100 to 1 on that, was it? Uh, 80 to 1 I got him at. Very nice. Very nice indeed. He's a good player, there's no doubt about that. Um, golfbettingsystem.co.uk, search golf betting or golf betting tips and you'll find us on a search engine of your choice. Let's talk. You take you through some Twitter handles. Uh, I'm at Bamford Golf. Paul is at Golf Betting. Barry at a good talk golf. Now I'm just going to read out for you guys. I keep talking about this each and every week. iTunes reviews, and uh, some of you guys that are listening via iTunes are leaving us some uh, some reviews and also giving us some scores, which are much appreciated. Of course, likes and follow us on Podbean as well would be most appreciated. But I've, I'm going to read through this comment that we got guys last week. Uh, it's from Mark underscore RG30, uh, and his comment reads, Love this podcast, exclamation mark. Steve, Paul and Barry do a stellar job of previewing the golf. Their stats and knowledge make this a must listen. It's very nice, isn't it? Sorry, yes. Good, yeah, good stuff, nice. isn't it? I like, I, I like that. I'm not even going to be cynical. I'm not going to be... I'm not going to turn that into some kind of cruel no. joke. I think I think that's a very, very positive comment. I think we should take that on board, chaps. That's very awesome. Good. Thank you very much. It's good to hear that. Now, this week, I just want to highlight as well, before we crack on, Paul, I think this is quite important in terms of the site. Um, we've now signed off with William Hill to sponsor our majors competition, which we've run now, for, I think this is the sixth consecutive year. Can you just run through it in thirty seconds, Paul? Just high high line of what the how we how it works, uh, and on Podbean I will put a link through to the dedicated rules page, which also explains the various ways that you can enter. So that's available on Podbean in the description area. Do you just want to take? Take uh, the listeners through that, because I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people out there that want to want yeah, to get no, involved. Yeah, no problem. It's, um, it's as you said, I think we're into sixth year, and it's been growing in popularity since we launched it, um, yeah, what, 2011, 2012, something like that. Um, yeah, yeah, anyway, yeah, yeah. yeah, so dead simple. We've kind of simplified the rules as we've gone along. So um, what we want you to do is to pick four golfers, four different golfers, one for each of the majors. So... 
Um, yeah, one and absolutely. done. Absolutely, yeah. One so done. one for the Masters, a different one for the uh, US Open, a different one for the Open Championship, a different one for the US PGA Championship. And the way it works is once you've nominated your four golfers, you get points allocated to your total based on the dollar earnings they get from each of those individual tournaments. So um, the skill in picking the right golfers who accumulate the most amount of dollars from those four um, events is um, what we're asking you to do. And of course, the winner will be the person who can pick the four golfers with the highest cumulative total from those four events and um, there's three prizes so um first second and third 150 75 and 25 pound or currency equivalent which would be will we will be paying um in cash which is what uh, william hill would like us to offer so uh, that's all very good yeah cash yeah. cash prizes chap so it's all, ca- all good ca- no free cash, bets, cash no tends to work for most people so <laughs> <laughs> Cash is king. So, uh, so yeah, so 150, 75 and 25 for third place. Um, and it's dead simple. You can enter via Twitter. You can enter via the Facebook group. You can enter via um, email as well. And as Steve said, all of the in- entry details, the T's and C's are on the page that we've put together for the uh, 2018 edition. So, um, yeah, make sure you pop along. It, last year we got something like 400 entries, so it was really strong. But I'm sure we can push that on to uh, kind of 500 plus and uh, new yeah, heights. Get, yeah. Get... Who the hell would you put in for the <laughs> Masters right now after after last month? Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a it's a veritable feast. I think every year we get to the Masters and it's you kind of say, oh, it's the most anticipated Masters for uh, for years. But but this one seriously, there's so many players. Coming into form, you know, Rory's another one who's uh, who's ticked um, ticked himself or ticked a box for um, for inclusion, serious inclusion for Augusta, and you know, that's just a long list of players that we've seen over the last few weeks. It's um, yeah, it's getting exciting, isn't it? It's the perfect perfect timing to quickly discuss the uh, Arnold Palmer Invitational. It was a brilliant tournament. Um, enjoyed watching it greatly. Um, Fair play to Steve Palmer for tipping uh, Rory McIlroy, who was completely out of sorts. Um, I, when, when I read his tips on Wednesday, I kind of couldn't believe where he was heading. And he was absolutely spot on. Did I, did I read that Rory had um, sought the advice of one Brad Faxon for his putting? Yeah, yeah. I was. Um, it was... I decided to watch the Golf Channel feed of the tournament last night just to make sure, you know, just to get all the US commentators' uh, take on it. And uh, they mentioned that a couple of times that he spent a bit of time with Brad Faxon on Monday. Um, not so much on the technical aspects of things, but more on the mental approach to the pudding. And, um, yeah, you heard Rory talk about it a few times uh, in the interviews throughout the week, saying it's just kind of freed him up a bit. And, yeah, that stroke looked uh, pretty pretty sublime yesterday and throughout the whole week, actually. It was um, it was a pretty special performance, and it's just uh, just kind of whets the appetite even more for the Masters, and and just reminds you of how beautiful a thing it is to watch Rory in full flow. What was his strokes gained putting plus nine point two or something? I read bananas. Yeah, I think so. Hundred putts, wasn't it? Exactly I'll pull it up putts. here. Yeah, that's um, that tends to get the job done when you're. Uh, if you look at his tee to green stats, he, they weren't actually that good, but when you're putting like that. If you break it down, if you break it down by round, he was two point five strokes gained putting each round, which yeah, cumulatively was ten yeah, strokes. 
And I also thought it very interesting that young Mr. Rose, who we were on at 14-1, to 1, he was again fourth for strokes game. Yeah, you'd putting. said last the week before that he'd been putting well. So as uh, I, I know Rory ran away with it in the end, but uh, there's a nice little pick up from yourself as well, Steve, for the each way on Rose. But uh, clearly he is putting well as well. So you know he's another one you can't discount for Augusta in a couple of weeks' time, isn't he? No, there was some there was some interesting strong putting performances. Um, you had Rose at four, Henrik at five. This is strokes game putting. Tiger was eighth, and uh, further down we had Patrick Rogers at three. He's just D, uh, WD'd, as I thought we might do, from this uh, Corrales um, shenanigans that's going on in Do- Dominican Republic. And also Kyle Stanley was sixth in strokes game time. So that could be one, potentially for Houston. That's the kind of event you could see someone like that doing. You've been, on, Sta- you've been on Stanley <coughs> recently, Barry, haven't you? Uh, I think so. Yeah, I tend yeah. to let go of the guys uh, from my memory banks anyway. They've disappointed <laughs> me, so yeah. I might have been on him, but uh, it, I didn't get any returns from it. <laughs> yeah. Straight, straight off your Christmas. Something card in list. something, something in my mind tells me that he's done well at the pass at Houston, which is one of these sort of flat-out par seventy-twos, isn't it? And the other, the other player that's really jumping out at you for Houston next week is Luke List, who uh, again another backdoor top ten this week. Uh, to follow on from that second place that he had at PGA National. You know, if there's a golfer who's due a first maiden win very soon, I think he's now very close to the li- to the top of that uh, list. Do you get it? <laughs> Pun intended. I quite like that. But um, I, I just thought it was fantastic. The whole build-up yesterday uh, with Rory playing, you know, playing some magnificent go- golf, going head-to-head in his own group with Justin Rose. We had Tiger on the charge. What what were your thoughts, boys, about him taking driver on sixteen? Because I know on the Sky coverage, Barry, I know you were listening to the American coverage. Um, they were they were quite critical that he actually went pull driver out of the bag on that hole woods when you know when it when he could have actually taken three wood or even three iron and got the distance that he needed to get there in two. Yeah, um, they didn't um, they didn't say it was a bad. Uh, at the time of the shot, they didn't call it as a bad choice. Um, I suppose the, unlike, the way he was hitting the three iron yesterday, he hit a couple of them 300 yards. So he like the distance was there to be hit with it if he wanted to. Um, I thought the interesting thing was after the round. Like he's talking about, he's getting interviewed about the round, and he's being asked his thoughts about you know the couple of shots that didn't go so well. That being one of them, and um, that being the main one. Obviously, he's only one shot back at that stage. And and he said yeah, he yeah. said that look he didn't get a fully clear thought process in and he did, hadn't a full decision made on what the shot was and what the club was and he was kind of caught between three different uh, ideas and maybe just kind of defaulted into the driver because it was the the big stick on the par five um, without being fully committed to it so look it's just uh, as far here I I I personally think that's the that's the fact that he's for the first time for a long time. Where at Copperhead, he was at the top of the leaderboard being fired at. He was playing catch-up golf, wasn't he, under intense pressure. And that's probably that, that led, led to that kind of mental freeze. And if you actually looked at him across the, the rest of the whole you know, tournament building up to that, the way that he strategised around that course was typical Tiger. It was the Tiger of old, you know, being aggressive on the par fives, being conservative with his, with his club choice, 
on the par threes and the, and the par fours where he could get away with it. And that was the first time where under that real intense pressure, he had that kind of momentary freeze and that cost him. I don't think he'd have won the tournament in the end, but at that stage, we didn't know. And if he'd have actually tied tied the lead or even eagled that hole and took the lead, you know, what kind of effect would that have had on the on the other guys? Well, there's the always the, the intimidation lead. factor, oh. isn't there? You, know, you, 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 you <laughs> see him at the top of the leaderboard and, um, you know, it's the other players that can freeze. But, you know... I, I, it's been a long time, um, you know, apart from the last uh, last couple of weeks. Long time since he's been seriously in yeah. contention. So, you know, these, you know, the juices have got to start flowing again, haven't they? And you know, there was a time when he would intimidate yeah. anyone, and you know, perhaps it was, uh, you know, perhaps it was just an overly aggressive mindset that, uh, you know, is not not necessarily the right thing to do at the right time. I, I don't think it was a weakness. I just think that's human nature. You know, how can that really be avoided in the, in his situation? And it'll take a huge amount of learning from that. And I just think it's exciting that he's healthy. You know, I was reading a load of stuff last week. Oh, uh, you know, he can't put two weeks together. He won't remain healthy. And he came out of the blocks quickly. There's nothing wrong with him. Physically, he's fine. You know, I think now that he's starting to really sharpen up the mental side of it, having him in the mix across a lot of tournaments this week is going to be absolutely fabulous. Yeah, it's really exciting. I actually don't mind the driver play for him because his default is to play a cut and that hole demanded a cut. So um, it's just, it's um, it's a matter of him getting used to those feelings when he's in those moments again. And um, It's Tiger Woods. He's going to be able to get used to those feelings and figure it out, I think, faster than anybody else. So it's, it's a case of, you know, can he tune those moments and get those under control for um, Augusta which is it's only a couple of weeks away now so yeah it's uh, it's great to have him back in the mix it just added even more excitement to it last night I, I, I couldn't have had more fun like three of my favourite golfers going uh, up there at the top McElroy, Stenson and Woods um, bit disappointed with Henrik um, the putting stroke seemed to just go to pieces yesterday it got long and wandery and wavy and doesn't have, you know when he's like I was saying to you guys uh, we were texting back and forth last night when he's putting well it's shorter sharper and he almost strikes the ball rather than strokes it um, yeah. so yeah but like that's uh, you know Henry came off a poor result last week and uh, put in a, it's a decent performance fourth you know um, he can't seem to get it done at Bay Hill he's had a lot of near misses there so look, he's just gonna put that into the uh, into the locker. As a, as another good you know good tournament and um, figure out how to go grab a win instead of a fourth next time round. Mm. He's good enough to win on the PGA Tour. Oh, him? for sure. Um, yeah, yeah. You could you could see him flying at somewhere like the um, at TPC Sawgrass or something like that this year. Yeah, yeah. Good shout. Just a real a real strategy kind of course. You know where you can't really shoot eighteen twenty under unless it's really really soft. I I, I can see. Stenson being right in the mix. Right, okay. Just one one more point on the strategy. I was really impressed at Rory's um, strategy this week. Um, Normally, you know, Rory can just default to the driver and just try to obliterate a golf course with distance, but he was hitting a lot of irons off tees, and he picked apart a really difficult, fast, firm golf course that a lot of people don't give him any chance on. And that's, that's a... him playing like that, putting like that, and also winning on a firm, fast golf course, that's got to be a, such a confidence booster to, to him. And um, 
a little bit of a, a scare for the other guys as well. Now, now they can't just ride him off on a firm, fast golf course. No. It's funny. I, I pulled together a couple of weeks ago some firm uh, statistics. So PGA Tour, um, last five years, um, results across firm golf courses. And we all know that Rory loves a soft golf course. He takes them apart. Um, I was surprised when I pulled those stats together how effective he is on firm, fast golf courses. The, the issue that Rory always has is when it starts to get windy and he then starts to have a weakness potentially when you know when it gets particularly windy on certain kinds of gnarly golf courses. But actually, if you look at the way that he can play and navigate his way around classical courses and firm golf courses, you know, you can see why logically he has the perfect game for Augusta because he can cope. He can cope with Augusta and he can cope with those firm, fast conditions. It's just he's uh, up until this point, he's always had that mental barrier at Augusta. So it'd be interesting to see what happens this year. He's he's instantly jumped jumped to yeah, favourite. Woods was favourite for uh, a short period on Friday, wasn't he? After after he started with what, four under, and then uh, yeah, Rory's jumped to the top of the tree now. There's been a lot of movement on that market over the last uh, three or four weeks, hasn't it? it? It wouldn't surprise me to see Tiger go off as a favourite in that event, though. When when the when say like the the people who would only bet on the majors kind of come into the market and start putting bets oh, yeah. on, they're going to be putting a lot of money on Tiger, mm-hmm. I think, and I think he'd probably go off uh, marginal favourite. Paul and I were discussing this on the train to Cheltenham the other day, and um, we're looking forward to the real Augusta market and the fact that the bookmakers are going to have to push out so much value on so many players. Mm-hmm. It's it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna be like being in a sweet shop. The top, Guys, the top, fre- do, the top dozen or so players you can make a solid <laughs> solid case for. You know they've either won recently or they they've got a cracking record at Augusta or you know whatever the whatever the um the, the rationale is. There's a case for an awful lot of players. And uh, yeah, as Steve said, they they haven't dropped in price. Um, sorry, they've they've dropped in price, but the other players haven't been pushed back out. So. When when we move no. from anti post to uh, to the, to the real market, there's got to be some absolutely monumental prices further down the field. Yeah, it's going to be some value Indeed, out there. Guys, it really is. Right. guys, we all know Freddie Couples' first round leader is <laughs> the bet of the week. <laughs> He's done it before. Well, do you want, should we talk WGC World yes. Match Play? Yeah. So the. The um, second WGC of the uh, the year. So again, we're down to a limited field, sixty four players in this one. Um, so it should be the top sixty four in the world. But we've got no uh, Justin Rose, no Fowler, no Kupka, uh, no Stenson, no Scott, and uh, Yost Lauten's pulled out today, leaving uh, or allowing Julian Suri to uh, to take his place. Um, so we've got uh, most of the top sixty four. Um, uh, kind of goes down to sixty eight, sixty nine, wherever it is. Um, and the way this works is you've got uh, 16 seeds, so the top 16 uh, OWGR players are seeded um, uh, in the tournament. And then you've got three groups of 16 players um, in three different pots, effectively, which are drawn out live on TV tonight on the Golf Channel. Um, and I believe that's starting at uh, 7.30 Eastern time this evening, so around about 11.30 tonight, um, UK time. Um, and then they'll actually start doing the draw around about midnight, I expect. 
And the, what will happen then is they'll effectively draw one out of each of these three extra pots, um, a B, C and D pot, to create 16 groups of four players. Um, so once you've got the groups, then they have a round robin over Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So each one, each person plays each other in, in the group, so they've all played three games. And the top player in each of the groups then is uh, goes through to the uh, knockout stages over the weekend. Um, so it gets quite exciting towards the end of Friday because some of the groups are quite tight. Um, some are dead rubbers, so you know some people um, have literally got nothing to play for. Um, there's, there's obviously been a bit of uh, uh, a few a few words said about that from some of the players over the last uh, couple of years since we moved to this format. Um, but then the flip side of it is you get really tight groups where um, there has to be a playoff to see who goes through to the uh, to the knockout stages. So a little bit of uh, drama before it all concludes. And then over the weekend you go from 16 to 8 and then um, into Sunday um, 4 and then 2 for the final on Sunday afternoon. Um, so yeah, that's that's the format they've been playing for a couple of years. You, you'll all remember this tournament used to be played at Dove Mountain um, and they moved it. Uh, three years ago now to uh, TPC Harding Park and now we're playing at um, Austin Country Club in uh, Texas and we're in the third of four years um, for that particular location uh, and it's a peak die track past 71 7,108 yards um, it's, it's an interesting track it's difficult to classify exactly what it's like actually because um, it kind of starts in the hills and, and meanders down towards Lake Austin, um, and you know some of the correlations I've seen. They've been talking about some of the some of the holes are almost links-like. They're kind of modelled on some of the uh, some of the old uh, Scottish classics, um, but it's a real kind of mix and match of a track. Um, where are we going now? Yes, so um, <laughs> lose me thread. <laughs> yeah, um, weather forecast for the week. Um, it's going to be mainly warm and sunny, as you'd expect in Texas this time of year. 20 mile an hour wind on Friday is about the worst it's going to get. Other than that, it's going to be quite nice, kind of mid-80s um, in terms of Fahrenheit. Um, and the thing to note here, um, if you're looking at the people who've won over the last few years um, and the, the odds that you're uh, achieving for winning prices, um, 2015, Rory, Rory McIlroy 11 to 1. 2016, Jason Day 14 to 1. 2017, Dustin Johnson 10 to 1. So, you know, a lot of people talk about these match play tournaments and having to go for um, long shots because of the nature of the tournament and the um, the the way that uh, you know you're only going to really get some value by by digging further down the list. But um, you know, the winners from the last three event, uh, the last three years have been really quite. Uh, really quite straightforward and if you go back all the way to 2010 the longest price winner was uh, Hunter Mahan in 2012 at 50 to 1 so you know it's, uh, you, you, I think you can dig a, a long way down trying to find some value in this tournament but uh, the actual winner tends to uh, or has tended to come from towards the top of the market over the last uh, last few years um, that said some of the places over the last couple of years, Haas, Bill Haas last year, Tani Hara, um, 90 to 1, 300 to 1, they both made the top four. Um, uh, yeah. Really? I've, I've blocked that completely out of my mind. <laughs> yeah. Bill, Bill Haas. And, uh, Hideto Tani Hara, <laughs> yeah. Um, Hideto Tani Hara made the yeah, semi-final. So they both made each way places. 
Um, and of course, it was overshadowed wow. by the final with DJ and uh, John Rahm last year. But uh, yeah, so those guys paid out. So if you, if you could have plucked those out, you were getting a decent return on Rafa Cabrera Bello the year before, 125 to 1. Um, Gary Woodland, Danny Willett the year before that, 125 for 150 to 1 for those two. So I guess if you're looking for the winner, um, it suggests that you're going to have to go relatively, you know, you're looking relatively towards the top of the market. And each, uh, you know, if you're looking at 50 to 1 or less, then that's the top. 15, 16 players in the market and, and nothing else. So you can, get, you know, you can kind of limit yourself to that level if you believe that that trend's going to continue. Um, the each way places, I think you can go, you can go all the way to the bottom of the list and, uh, you know, uh, what you Ikeda potentially make a case for a number. So, 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 you got Satoshi Kodaira, that's, that's good pronunciation, and Miyazato Yuzaku. I didn't know he was in the world's top yeah, 64. There's, there's, there's a few of these guys who play over in Japan and on uh, the Asian tour who you know, accumulate a lot of wins and get themselves uh, very elevated up the uh, up the OWGR chart. So, yeah, whether they can... You might have said the same thing about Tanihara last year. You know, he's, um, We've seen a bit more of him since and clearly he's got a bit, you know, quite a bit about him. But uh, 300 to 1 last year, he, he, was, uh, you know, he, was, he was one of the rank outsiders and... I t- I'm going to say my piece. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm going to say my piece, and then I'll leave you two to actually come up with a sensible tip. Yeah. Mm. If if you're looking for a rank outsider, yeah, someone that's a Bermuda grass monster, and someone who you know you've got to jump on with just a minuscule amount of uh, good statistics about him. I mentioned this to Paul this morning. I think 175 to 1 about Siwoo Kim is a price I'd be happy to take. Forget about all the draw stuff and all this. I, you know, you could you could go around that a million times. But Siwoo Kim at 175 to 1. Bermuda Grass Monster. Top GIR, even though I think he missed the cut at Bay Hill. And um, if you remember the President's Cup, he really played well in that last year. I think he won his singles and there was a lot of fist pumping going on whilst the rest of the international team were getting absolutely mm-hmm. annihilated. He actually stood up to the task. So I could see Siwoo Kim going well this week. Um, another one at a smaller price, but still quite a juicy price. A guy that's been putting very, very well recently. Um, I think he was second for strokes going putting at the Valspar on his last outing. I think 66 to one about Brandon Grace. Yeah, he's improving Grace, isn't he? Yeah, he's a good. He's 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 just one week his greens in regulation are strong. The other week the putter's strong. On a golf course where, and don't forget, I mean he was he can bang it, can't he? He was fourteenth for driving distance at Valspar. He's aggressive. I think I think that's a decent price about Grace. Someone that could pop out of the uh, pop out of the woodwork a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Um. I I I I also. Th- Think for some reason Cabrero. I know you you'd hope you'd hate to select him because he's not your favourite, but Cabrero Bello. He's been playing some nice stuff recently. Sixty sixes. I think that's a decent price. And then in terms of the winner here, I think it's as simple as this. Last last two WGCs, these these events, we've had Louis Oosthuizen and Jason Day in the twenty sixteen final, John Rahm and Dustin Johnson in the twenty seventeen final. And when you look at it across the piste, they're all heavy drivers of the golf ball. They'd all done really well, strokes going tee to green on their last outing. And 
Oosthausen had won in Perth. Jason Day had won at Bay Hill. Uh, he was also thick, sixth for strokes game putting at Bay Hill. John Rahm had finished third in Mexico and he'd won at Torrey Pines earlier in the year. Um, strokes game tee to green in his previous out and he was eighth and he was first. Uh, sorry, he was eighth for strokes game putting and sixth for strokes game tee to green. And Dustin Johnson, of course, he'd won at Riviera. He'd won at Mexico. He then thought he'd go and do the, the treble. He was fourth for driving distance, first for strokes going tee to green, and 21st for strokes going putting. Previously in Mexico, we, uh, the outing before that, he'd been third for strokes going putting at Riviera. All of this, you know, stat de shouts to me, two players. Really, really boring. I think the winner of this will either be one Rory McIlroy, or Justin Thomas. And Justin Thomas does have a chance this week of becoming the world's number one golfer if he wins this week, or I believe even if he finishes second and Dustin Johnson has yeah, a Yeah, if he finishes, I think he's got, to, he's got to go and get a half a point, I think, out of his group, DJ, and then... Uh, if he doesn't win... Yeah, that's Thomas, right. Uh, yeah, 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 but yeah. I think Thomas would still have to be the losing... Uh, losing finalist, but yeah, he's got. If if he wins, DJ's got to, got to do well, I think, to uh, to give him out the top. I spot. don't. I don't see. I don't see Thomas worrying about becoming world number one. I don't see him being like a John Rahm from earlier on in the year because Rahm, you know, he's a lot. I, I see Thomas a little bit further on the track. I, I, until they get in that situation, I'm I'm not convinced you'll know either way how they're going to react with it. All of these players have got the potential to be the world number one at some point. You know, we've got a period of time now where whoever wins these major championships could well push themselves straight to world number one. You know, we're going to go through a period yeah. from the Masters onwards where there's, you know, there's some massive opportunities for the players that uh, that are right in the, the DJ slipstream to, uh, to to overtake him. So, yeah, until we've talked about the draw, until you've seen the draw. Um, and how it pans out with these other players, you, you can you, you know you can infer from the draw that these the seeded players obviously aren't going to be playing each other in the first round, and um, you know it, they won't meet each other until further down the line. But um, and trying to pick anyone further down without having seen the draw, um, I, you can't do it. It's it's impossible to to do it with any content. Does it does it work that Dustin Johnson being world number one is a on the different side to Justin Thomas, who's one, two, three, two. Yeah. one, two, so three, they, and four will be on four separate or four um, opposite yeah. uh, brackets, effectively. Um, so Mac McElroy is going to be somewhere where one of the top boys doesn't yeah, want him to be. Yeah? Absolutely. So yeah. until until it's all worked out, and then you know the, the other the other um, sixteen players are literally drawn from a hat. So um, you know they're going to be allocated yeah. with some of these groups. So you, you could end up. Um, if you go out and place your bets on a Monday before you've seen this draw, you could you could put three or four players down, and you know conceivably they could be um, two or three of them in the same group. Um, yeah, only yeah, one yeah. of those is going through, so you know it's, expect the market to be shaken up considerably overnight because once the uh, the bookers have digested how the uh, how the draws worked out, then uh, you know they can they can revise the market accordingly. Um, but yes, it, it, drawing any conclusions at this stage is is difficult. I, I you, you can't you can't dispute that Rory's got fantastic claims. You said the the last two winners, uh, DJ and uh, Jason Day, both arrived with a 
um, a win on their previous start in the back pocket. So you've got Rory, uh, Paul Case is in the same same uh, situation. So's um, so's Phil Mickelson. So they're all arriving with a win from their previous start. So you know, again, if you follow that trend, then does one of those three guys win? If Rory putts like he did last week, um, but you know, yeah. he's, got, he's got to go through. Um, he's got he's got to win seven matches. Is he going to putt that to that kind of level? Is he going to be play well enough for seven matches? The thing, the thing with Rory is, you know, he's a serious win-win merchant. Mm-hmm. Always has been. And if he plays anywhere near how he played last week, which I think he will, <laughs> I don't see anybody in that field beating Rory. I don't even see Justin Thomas beating him. I don't see Dustin beating him. I don't see Jason Dale, John Rabin. I just think Rory wins that if he's playing at the top of his game. Like he yeah, was I mean, the intricacies of this tournament, he's, he's got to play oh, that that way or uh, you know better than his opponent for seven consecutive games to win the tournament. And to get if you play, if you back in each way and it's nine to one, eight to one. Um, if you're back in each way on these players, they've got to get through to Sunday, so they've got, they've got to make it through five matches for you to get an each way payout. So. Um, it's a format that's um, intriguing, but it's also a format that can be particularly frustrating if, uh, if your players are getting knocked, knocked out early doors because you could be quite conceivably reloading well before the weekend. Um, but yeah, Rory, you've got a massive case for Rory. Um, I like John Rahm. I think Rahm played fantastically in this last year. He really embraced the um, format. He really, he really enjoyed the course. And... Save for a few, well, a, a poor front nine um, in the final against DJ. Other than that, he was pretty immaculate the whole whole week. And you know, there was a massive tick in my my box um, for or my notebook for <laughs> <laughs> in your box. That's there was, funny. There was, a, there was a massive, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, you, you, you dirty bugger. <laughs> well, uh, I t- let me. I'll just. I'll just read this out quickly because I've only just come across this myself. Right, Dustin Johnson of course won this last year. John Rahm was the twenty-one seed he beat yeah. in the final. Jason Day, twenty sixteen number two seed. Louis Oosthuizen was the sixteenth seed. Rory McIlroy in twenty fifteen when they played this at Harding Park, number one seed. Gary Woodland was the fiftieth seed that he beat in the final. And then we can go back to Jason Day, 2014 at Dove Mountain. He was the 8th seed. He beat Victor Dubuisson in the final, who was the 30th seed. So, the the big head-to-head between the you know two of the really big guns in the world rankings, based on the last four years, won't happen. I think to, yeah. it's going to be someone a little bit off-beat in the final, playing... Either you know your Rory or your Justin. Or I your think Dustin. To, to get through to the final, you've not only got to play well, you've got to have a bit of luck. You've got to come across an opponent who's playing poorly or has some bad luck or bad luck, or you know you have a, a, a decent few breaks yourself, and you know it, there'll probably be chances for you, you know, your player to be knocked out. You know they're gonna, mm. gonna have to ride the luck to a certain degree. Um, so yeah, some of these big players are just are literally going to fall by the wayside. So. Um, it's it's a tough one, but yeah, from my perspective, the players that interest me, um, Ryan interests me. Oh, you can't discount Rory. Um, you can't discount Thomas. You can't discount um, Dustin Johnson. You know, you, you could name every player at the top of the market. Um, further down the list, players that I'm interested in are people like Patrick Reed, who's got a fantastic uh, match play record for the in the Presidents Cup and also the Ryder Cups that he's played. Um, and the thing with yeah. Reed, he topped the uh, putting averages last week. 
um, you know, from his perspective, he did, yep. if he's putting well going into a, a tournament like this and the format that he relishes, um, he could uh, he could really enjoy it. But he's in the um, he's in the second um, tier of these. Uh, you know, he's not he's not seeded, so he's in, he's he's going to be drawn against one of the seeds. And you know, guys, I, I it'd be great if he was, it, it'd be great if he's drawn against Rory McIlroy. Oh, it'd be so good. I think Patrick Reed would do better in a group with. Only people from the first partners in the theoretical world. Yeah, he, his yeah, game yeah, just goes yeah. up when he plays against the big boys. Yeah, no, no, and, it, and he absolutely adores the format. You know, it's uh, it brings the yeah. uh, brings the fighting. Um, uh, he's you know those instincts that he's got to. Uh, yeah, it's just perfectly suited to match play. Um, so yeah, he's, uh, I'd be interesting. He's to playing see. well. Yeah, he is. Yeah, and he's putting well. It'd be interesting to see where he does. You know, where he lands in terms of this uh, this draw, and then can make some conclusions from there. Um, Happy Farmer is another one who um, who plays well in this format. He won the Super Six a few weeks back. He's won the Paul Laurie Match Play. Um, he's won three times worldwide since December, and he came and he, he missed the cut last week. It's uh, the Arnold Palmer. But if you look at his travel, he'd gone from Perth to the Honda, down to Mexico, around oh, yeah. to Brunei. It was even yeah. too much, even for him. Yeah. It was Brunei, too much. and then straight back to the uh, to, to last week at the uh, Arnold Palmer. And, you know, the guy missed the cut. Yeah. You, you can accept that. I again, he's been putting well. He's the kind of player that could uh, that could pop up. But again, before I make any conclusions, I'm going to see see where the draw takes me on it. So, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting tournament because of the way it's structured and the you know the, the intricacies. But um, I, it's not one that I tend to get massively financially involved with. You know, it's, it's more for a bit of interest than uh, than, than going uh, than going balls deep with it. Based on what we were saying, it could be one of those tournaments where you could go on Betfair Exchange. Pick a couple of wild big prices on the hope of being able to trade out at some point. I know that clearly, if you've got one of the big guys that's going to be left in it at the final, you're not going to be you're not going to be sort of potentially trading out at one point zero one or anything like that. But there's there's certainly potentially some margin in there if you can get someone into the semis, get someone into the final. Yeah, and, and factored into that price would be what their <coughs> their likely path to the final is going to be. Uh, the other side of it is, you know, we, we're getting used to six, seven, eight places each way in some of these uh, stroke play tournaments, and you're talking of four. So, you know, your player's got to make it to Sunday to be getting an each way payout. So, do you, you know, given given the uh, the odds of the the winners of the last uh, last few events, do you do you go down you know a very um, conservative route and just pick one or two of the real guys with a real big opportunity at the top, or? Um, do you try and pick out one or two of those um, outsiders? And again, until you've seen the draw, I don't think you can make a, you know, a justifiable conclusion with that. So, yeah. Who do you think, Barry? Any any players there interesting you pre-draw? Yeah, I have Patrick Reed on my shortlist. Um, for you know, watching him the last couple of weeks, he's kicking into gear. And again, I, I, just to rehash what you guys were saying, he loves match play so much. Um, the other thing I've found very interesting about his game recently is that he's he's almost able to hit a fade, and I've actually seen him fade the ball on a few occasions. So that's um that's a very interesting thing for somebody who typically could only hit a really heavy power draw. Mm. So you know it's it's um it's another weapon in his bag that he can bring to the game. And um, when you yeah. read interviews with Paddy Reed, 
he always mentions that if he's near the top of his confidence, he can actually hit a fade, <laughs> but only when he's really, you know, really mentally right and when he's really pleased with how his 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 uh, swing is. So that's a that's really encouraging mm. sign. Yeah, for sure. I mean, really good stats last week. You know, strokes gained tee to green. He was in the top thirty for that. Who's tight? And Bay Hill, Bay Hill isn't his track. It yeah. really isn't. I don't think it's, it's a bit too long. It's a he, he prefers a sort a shorter, tighter test. I always think. Um, so that's that's another good sign. Yeah, I, I, just, I think he's uh, I think he's a good shout. It's just this kind of event fits into his character, you know. And going in from last week, yeah. uh, a tight second for birdies on the week and putting hot. I think he's a good shout and. Um, I've ignored all your uh, logic, Paul, about waiting for the draw to be made, and I just sna- <laughs> I snatched him up a thirty. To me, man. I snatched him up a thirty to one because um, I th- I just think people. I think his price will only go shorter. Um, so so yeah. he was he was he, he's my he's my boy. I'm kind of ignoring the top of the market, trying to grab a little bit of value, um, but he's not too. F- if you're betting speculatively on some bigger prices, doing that's fine, isn't it? it? Doesn't matter. Well, speaking of that, I actually have gone and done that with another player. So um, they showed him a couple of times on coverage yesterday, and uh, with good reason because he made seven birdies. He finished tied fourth for birdies on the week. It's Kevin Chapel. He's uh, yeah. he's been playing pretty decent. Uh, so at 80 to 1 I went yes please thank you very much and I uh, just grabbed it and said uh, I can only see that coming in um, for somebody that had a good performance last week so um, look the, the two the two- don't, don't forget he broke his maiden tag in Texas as well didn't he last season so he likes the state I'm seeing him as short as 55 with a couple of firms so 80 you know there's, there's always there's, we always like it when there's players there that the the odds compilers you know that there's that they're they're struggling on opinions between them. Some are as short as fifty five, others at eighty. That's often a good sign, I think. Well, I love grabbing it at eighty when there is fifty five out there. It's lovely. <laughs> so um, I was I was happy to to take him on board. He's got plenty of power about him as well, hasn't he? He can, when he and he's the kind of player that can just get really hot with birdies and could just annihilate somebody yeah. in a match play scenario. So uh, it's 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 a really yeah. good weapon to have. A few others that kind of interested me this week were um, I think I've seen Webb Simpson at a hundred to one. Um, he didn't have a good year in this last year, but he's playing really well recently. Uh, I have issues. I have issues yeah. backing Webb Simpson ever since he beat uh, Patrick Harrington to the U.S. Open. So um, I don't know. It's, yeah. uh, it's he a owes you one then, Barry. I have it. I have issues with him every time I yeah, take it's him. a head versus heart versus wallet thing. So I might just avoid that um, horrible uh, dilemma. Um, Rafa Cabrera Bayo finished third in this a couple of years ago, uh, playing some lovely golf and. He's available at some pretty tasty odds out there, sixty-six to one. So, um, one of the best swings on tour. Lovely, uh, really likable guy, and uh, clearly has shown the ability to go deep in this event. So that's uh, it's pretty tasty. Um, Alexander Levy uh, can get extremely hot with, uh, and this is the kind of format that you know I think can can suit his kind of aggressive style of play. Uh, where is he now? He is. Available at 150 to 1. So, you know, that could be a, a hidden mm. sleeper out there. Oh, he, he, he can win some uh, win some matches um, of that. It's whether no he doubt. can go all the way. Yeah. yeah it's, you know, even in a, a stroke play event, when, you know, push comes to shove, he can uh, he, he can get a little jittery. So, um, 
but yeah, I, yeah you know, it depends on the, the, the great thing about match play is the jitters you know you could have a jitters for one hole and then just go do you know what I've only lost one hole yeah. I might have made a triple bogey but it's only uh, one down or, uh, or you know lost a hole so Look, 150 to one. It's kind of a fun price, and I might just have a little, a little nibble of that. And uh, the other one who's kind of interesting, I sorry, just to jump back up the odds is uh, Patrick Cantlay. Um, he's as short as 40s, but also out there at 66 is winner, winner yeah. on tour. Um, yeah, just a, a bit of a stud. So 66 is some is a juicy price. I don't know. I. I you're, you're 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 talking sixty sixes. I've just spotted this chap as well. Top point scorer at the Ryder Cup, Thomas Peters, sixty six to one. Yeah, he's long There's enough. Long enough as well. It's, yeah, yeah. He can annihilate these yeah, holes. The only the only quite kind of question mark with me is I prefer him on bent based uh, putting services, but uh, I think yeah, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. over time he'll get his head around the uh, the Bermuda surfaces and really start. Uh, if they were playing this at Hardin Park on Bent Poe yeah, and Mixed exactly. Greens, I'd just be yeah. lumping on him because he'd, he'd love it. But yeah, I'm, I'm still a bit iffy with Thomas on Bermuda grass. I know that he's done well in uh, on the on sort of Abu Dhabi and the likes, but he, I don't think he's no, as strong. No, no, it's, it's, it's not his best surface. So just, uh, just one other kind of betting angle I usually bring in uh, for the match play, which I find a lot of fun. <laughs> Is to to do maybe a couple of doubles or trebles on the in, on the individual matches. So Wednesday, if all the matches are going out, so I'll pick a couple of guys that I think should uh, should go on and win their matches, and you know pop them into yeah. a double and a treble, and that and that that I find is a really fun and interesting way to keep you involved in the tournament most of the way through, or at least. Every match, every match is meaningful, isn't it? For for uh, for the for me as a punter, yes, it is. Even if it is a dead rubber to a couple of guys on Friday, um, mm-hmm. they they can often be quite easy matches to pick off somebody who just wants to get the hell out of there and somebody who actually just loves winning. Yeah. Um, if they're involved in one of those dead rubbers, so there could be a couple of easy ones to pick up or easy uh, selections to pick on Friday for those. Um, so, is that something you guys ever indulge in? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Have a, have a, have a mad accumulator yeah. on, uh, on, on oh, yeah. Thursday, Friday. But yeah, yeah. if you can. And, and the, the first match goes down, <laughs> out, and your your players fall down after five, <laughs> and you're like, oh, yeah, that's gone. But yeah, it's in. Yeah, there, there's a lot of ways of playing, isn't it, to keep up the interest yeah. on it. As Paul said, you could actually end out, end up spending a fortune on this and not getting much return. But yeah, at least I guess if you if your players all lose on the uh, the first day, then you can uh, entertain yourself with some uh, some match you know, single matches or some uh, some accumulators of the matches themselves, can't you? And there's another uh, there's another angle to this event that's not really gambling related, but you know we do have the Ryder Cup on the horizon in about six months time. And we you know we might get a couple of preview matches of uh, Europe versus uh, the yeah. United States. Yeah, mm, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, these players want to, you know, get, get some experience and practice in playing the format as well. So uh, it's. I wonder after the last couple of weeks, gentlemen, if the Americans are still ridiculously confident that they're going to walk that. You know, we've had Paul Casey win. We had Rory fire back to life. Justin Rose playing some awesome golf. Yeah, they've, they've got their heads around the fact that Tommy Fleetwood can play at the highest level. Alexander Naren can play at the highest yeah. level. And don't forget, the golf national yeah. is not going to be a particularly US 
um, favoured setup is going to is going to be far more mm. conducive to to a European um, player, I think. So uh, I don't think it's... Henrik Stenson. Sorry, I missed him, didn't he? He played well this week. You know, all of a sudden you've got a lot of our bigger names starting to fire. Yeah, yeah. It's it's going to be a pretty special Ryder Cup. I pro it's probably going to be the the best quality two teams in history, maybe, or in terms of world ranking, anyway. And there's just, it, there's so much. There's there's no way that the European team can be as weak as as the last time. Yeah, agreed. It, it cannot be that way, can it? You know, we just you know you can see that from the names that are now involved, and the likes of Till Hatton likely to be in the team. It, it's going to be interesting to see it, the 12 European players that play, you know, because you've got a lot of big names in there now. And I, if you're looking at strength of depth, you know, and you, you're comparing at the moment on paper the Americans to the Europeans, yeah, they've got some very big names at the top. But when you've got the likes of Brian Harmon in the automatic places at the moment, you know, have, have they got the depth that they think they've got right now? And it's a debate for another day, clearly, but. I, I don't see, and as Paul said, being played at the Golf National, which could be set up to be quite difficult if chosen. I don't, I don't see the Americans walking no. away with it, as I'm seeing. I think, I think you'd betting. set it up as a true tee to green test. None of this, you know, American style um, setup that we've had in previous uh, US hosted Ryder Cups, where it's you know the, the rough's been negligible. It won't be like that. We've, yeah. we've got a team you know, that's very strong in uh, in terms of ball striking, so why not set it up for a little bit of a little bit of advantage that way? Did you uh, interesting talk about ball striking because these stats are now available on the European Tour website? Do you see that we now have the strokes gain statistics for the European Tour? Yeah, I haven't digested it fully, but uh, it's a, it's a certainly a step forward, and uh, you know, compared to the the, the US uh, to the PGA Tour stats, they've been uh, a long way behind for a long time. But uh, no. Good step. Um, yeah, a good step, yeah, though. Yeah, must applaud that. So, a step in the right direction. We have an alternate event this week: the Corrales Punta Cana Resort and Club Championship. It's a bit of a mouthful, that one. Um, <laughs> effectively, these alternate events, don't they? They run against the WGCs. And they also run against the Open Championship. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, this is the first time that the PJ Two has ever been to the Dominican Republic. Um, this course that they're playing, which is the Corrales Golf Club, which is part of a big hotel and resort, it's a par 72. It measures 7,668 yards, and it's very, very, very easy. Um, I will, of course, put a link through to the full preview when we release it tomorrow. Um, Weather looks like it's going to be very easy Thursday, Friday, and then it looks like the wind should get up to 20, 25 mile an hour Saturday, Sunday, which is why I, I think we had uh, Nate Lashley. Nate Lashley won this last year on the web.com at 20 under. Dominic Baselli won this at 24 under in 2016. <coughs> um, I don't think it's going to be that low this year I, I could see kind of 16, 17, 18 under winning it but as you would expect guys the field this week I must say I mean I've been covering these events for years now what 2009 yeah. Paul we start um, this is the, the weakest PGA Tour event I've ever seen in my life it is yeah. shocking 
Not not many are bothering <laughs> by the looks of it. <laughs> and they've been they've been dropping like flies seen, to the top of the you're... market as well, haven't they? Yeah, there's there's a. I actually wrote up a tip for Brandon Harkins. I thought he'd go well, and he's withdrawn. Um, When you're seeing Emiliano Grillo at ten to one, I'm almost turning the laptop off. (laughs) That is a that's a crazy price. And do you know what? People are backing him. (laughs) Dear oh dear, Emiliano Grillo at ten to one. As you said to me today, actually, Paul, he's likely to win. He'll shoot like 61 in the final round and win yeah, by a shot. Yeah, with the pressure off and, um, you know, these players, when they do get into that position, you know, it, these kind of events are ripe for someone to, to go and uh, shoot something silly on a Sunday, you know, lunchtime and uh, and sit in, the, uh, sit in the scorer's hut for a couple of hours and just watch everyone else uh, fall by the wayside. Greens of Paspulum. It's a seaside course, six holes along the sea, and then I think 12 inland. It reminds me a little bit of El Chameleon, where they play the OHL Classic in Mexico, Cancun. Uh, <coughs> we have Grio at the top of the market, then Scott Piercy, Jim Furyk. Um, they're listing Patrick Rogers that he's, he's withdrawn. Graham McDowell, Rory Sabatini. Um, I've got two players so far, and I'm I'm going to really... This is this, my, my advice would be kind of watch, just watch... And observed this year to a certain extent, um, I'm going. Uh, you could end up putting a lot of money onto an event that you've got no real interest in quite quickly because we don't. They played here two years, but there were no tournament stats either, no skill stats, yeah. nothing at all. Yeah, which again is, is Just disconcerting. The, um, the two I the two I've gone for, and I am going to include in my preview. One is Harris English. Who I'm seeing at 33 to one. Thanks to Coral, they've gone seven places each way, 50 odds. Which again, superb, um, superb product that Coral are offering on golf betting at the moment. That's a fantastic uh, proposition on a, such a weak event. I just think English. He won at Mayakoba, didn't he, in 2014. Um, you look at Baselli, who won here a few years ago. When he's on the PGO Tour, he's finished fifth at the Career Builder. Third at Valspar, tenth at St Jude. There were three events there that English has got some great results at. I just think someone that he's been playing well, but not staring, you know, not crazily good results. Those are the sorts that often pop up and win these kind of events. So I think thirty-three to one's a juicy price on uh, Harris English, and I also fancy Kelly Craft, who I'm seeing at fifty to one. Again with Coral. He's another one, Craft. Um, won the US Amateur at Erin Hills when he beat Patrick Cantlay in the final. And on a golf course that's kind of long, if there's wind going to be involved across the weekend, um, if we're talking kind of mid-score, 15, 16, 17 under, being right in the places, I can see Kelly Craft having a particularly good week. He's been playing some really nice stuff recently. I think it was 8th at uh, PJ National. He was 7th or 8th after 54 holes at Valspar, and then he fell away. But I don't mind that, because that's given us a price that we can actually back. So um, I'm seeing top fives at the John Deere Classic. He was 3rd at New Orleans last year in that event, where there's birdies in the pairs event. So I think Kelly Craft's the kind of guy that if he gets in the mix, you could see him being like a first-time maiden winner. Um, Those are two that I do like the look of. And then there's various... Um, one that did catch my eye, um, and this is a guy that we've had some kind of association with in the past, 
Um, I'm trying to find Raphael Campos. Right. Yeah. <coughs> Do you remember him last year? I think he was second or something at the. Uh, he was second at one event, and then he went to Houston, and he came in the top five there as well. Yeah, he found a little pocket of form. Yeah, yeah, he's finished second here in one of those web.com events, and he's 125 mm-hmm. to 1. And he's already finished third and second on the web.com so far this season. So I'm seeing him as short as 50 to 1 with Coral, and as big as 125 to 1 with Bet365. Okay. That's a yeah, big disparity. A, especially if he's showed a bit of form recently. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, second and third in um, already on the web.com. Yeah. Kind of guy that clearly, for you know, with his nationality, specialises in these kind of humid events on the you know equatorial border. I just think that's that's one that stands out to me. Uh, you'd never be able to pick him on statistics, but well, have you noticed on the web.com, none of the events so far, they've had three or four tournaments, they've got no skill statistics across yeah. any of them. Literally, all you get is yeah, the leaderboard. Yeah, I think it, it, it gets picked up a little bit later in the season and then the. Uh... The back end of the season, you get the wow. uh, the full stats, but uh, yeah, a little frustrating. It's like the the PGA Tour. Can't, they must be making a few cuts, I reckon, on costs. Tough times. <laughs> ben, they're they're the they're the the two that I'm going to include. He's interesting. I'll I'll sort of look over it again in the morning, see if I add anyone yeah. else to it. Um, is there anyone you've spotted, Paul, just in the field? I, just I, I liked I, I like Harris English. I think there's a lot to like about him, particularly the price and the, and the you know relative strength of the field. The one that really caught my eye at the Valspar was Corey Connors. Now he was leading going into the final yeah. round. Uh, the the Canadian guy, and um, he um, yeah, yeah, yeah. he shot seventy seven. But you know he was playing with Woods. Oh, sorry, he was playing with Rose. Um, in front of Tiger Woods, you know, his first time in that kind of position, and um, you know, he admitted in interview that nerves got to him a little bit, but he's going to be better for that experience. And um, you know, statistically, he was very, very strong. Um, he's finished eighth in the Dominican Dominican Republic in the past, back on the uh, Latino American tour. So he's got a little bit of um, going form in the area. And uh, yeah, I noticed that event. They play it sort of thirty miles yeah, around the coast. It's a different track, but yeah, in terms of you know, yeah, in terms yeah, of yeah. similar kind of uh, uh, you know grasses and uh, climate, etc. He's got a little bit of experience there. He is interesting because, as you said, he played the Latino American Tour, and I'm seeing third in Colombia, ninth in Panama. Um, so he reminds me a little bit of Nate Lashley because Lashley had that kind of record before he went to the Web.com yeah. and he won here. So that's not a bad steer. Yeah. And yeah, clear, clearly played some fantastic yeah, golf last yeah. week or uh, two weeks ago. Yeah, it just, it just, you know, it couldn't, couldn't go. But then, you know, he'd have sat there on um, Saturday evening going into Sunday looking at the people that he's sitting a shot or two ahead of and thinking, you know, wow. Um, it, it, you know, it, it's not as if it was a poor field he's competing against. There were some top quality players there. And, uh, you know, I don't think he disgraced himself. He just, uh, you know, it, it just didn't happen. And he'll uh, come back better for the experience, I'm sure. So uh, you're not getting a bargain; it's forty to one at the moment. We've only got four or five bookies up, but you know someone might go fifty to one on that, and I think that's a, that's a cracking uh, a, a cracking pun. Mm. Yeah, he's one I'm going to have a dig, good digger, good dig around. I think. Right, I think that's us for the uh, for the podcast. Thanks to uh, to both of you guys. Thanks to Barry. Thanks to Paul. No worries. Cheers, Steve. Best of luck, guys. Um, yeah, best of luck to everybody. Next week we have the Houston Open and, of course, we're only a week away from the Masters. Thanks for listening and uh, see you again next week. Goodbye.